Good morning, my renegades. Welcome back to Rogue Radio. My name is Sarah Jane, and today we're going to do another Persecution Press segment. The last time I recorded this, I couldn't say it, so let's just get into it. Let's see what's happening around the world. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns about this podcast, please contact me on Instagram at Rogue Radio 4, Rogue Radio 4 on Twitter, and Rogue Radio, all caps, on YouTube. I'll see you there. Thank you very much for listening. Alright, we're going to start with Nigeria, um, because it's one of my listeners and also because there's some news in that country so we're going to get started with Nigeria today so it says three people killed in Nigeria as religious motives continue to be ignored this is from February 15th 2021 Um, international Christian concern suspected Fulani herdsmen killed three farmers uh, Saturday night on in the Owo, Owo local government area of Ando State, according to Sahara reporters. Yes, it's true. Three people were killed. The place is becoming like Zam, Zamfara, said senior, senior special assistant to the governor on agriculture, Akin Olotu, it's obvious that these bandits are ready for war. The attack comes in the wake of the several massacres of jihadist jihadist Fulani have committed um, just this month. Adding on to the decades of violence Christian farmers have suffered at the hands of other, of killer herdsmen. while the media continues to portray such violence as back-and-forth exchanges between herders and farmers with no real religious motives, researchers are increasingly revealing an extremist agenda. Most recently, Morningstar News came out with a report highlighting the Islamic um, expansionist move- motives behind these Fulani attacks. In their report, Aid to the Aid to the Church in Need ACN was quoted as stating while not necessarily sharing Boko Haram's vision of a Muslim caliphate I'm sorry if I mispronounced that um, in northern Nigeria the evidence suggests that Fulani herdsmen are as committed as Daesh Islamic State affiliates to eliminating Christians in the region where the church has grown fast. The report also included a quote from the Nigeria-based Stefanos Foundation. The violence is primarily for Islamic territorial expansion and the advancement of Sharia law. Um, the perpetrators of the violence are Muslim extremists who cannot submit to any other law apart from Islamic law. 
Complaints from Christian leaders and community members in Nigeria are largely ignored by the government, convincing many that top officials are behind the attacks. According to the Morning Star, they feel utterly defenseless and their occasional realitory attacks then feed the mainstream media narrative that the violence stems from sectarian conflict over scarce resources. Now, more than ever, Christians in Nigeria need to be enveloped with wholehearted prayer. Please pray for the world to recognize the scale of suffering believers are having to endure, as well as the true motive that the center of crisis of this crisis. These also, or please also pray for those who persecute the church, that all will repent and find salvation in Christ. And that article, of course, comes from persecution.com. If you want to go and read the article yourself, just go to www.persecution.com. Our next country that we're going to be talking about is Kenya. Kenya is also one of my listeners. There is some really dedicated listeners from Nigeria, I think, and also Kenya on my YouTube channel. So hello to you guys, and I'm going to be starting to read this article. Um, it's It was just last month that this happened, um, so we're going to start reading. It says, ICC supports a martyr's widow in Kenya. So, in 2017, okay, um, Anna Shali's life was suddenly turned upside down while praying at the church where he served. Anna Shali's husband, Bishop Joel, was brutally murdered in an instant. Anna Shali was left as a widow and the sole provider for four children and just for their protection I'm not gonna name any names um, in order to help this family get back on their feet we provided them with two motorbikes to develop a motorcycle taxi business otherwise known in Kenya as a boda boda um, one of the vehicles will be operated by the family's eldest son, while the other one will be rented out to a local driver. These two motorbikes will allow the family to earn an income in a sustainable manner for years to come. Uh, the eldest son expressed, Thank you very much for supporting my family during this hard um, economic times. On behalf of my late father's family, I really appreciate your help and support. We have gone through very, uh, very trying times, but the Lord has kept us. He has kept us until this day and that we rejoice to own two motorbikes for business. Um, this is a milestone for us and a time for a turnaround. Anna Shali added, raising our four children without a father has been a challenge to me since 2017. Uh, we have seen it all as a family 
We have slept hungry many times. Today we have received two motorbikes that we intend to use for the Boda Boda business. Um, this is a new day for us. Uh, we truly are thankful for your love and care towards the family of Bishop Joel who was killed while serving Christ. Now that's actually a really sweet, um, I want to say praise report. Uh, it is very unfortunate that Anna Shelley has lost her husband. Um, and I, I'm very, I'm very just touched just by reading that story. Um, prayers, many prayers go out to Anna Shelley's family and her, uh, three sons and, uh, hope everything keeps uh, gaining momentum in your guys' life. Um, the uh, ICC, uh, International Christian Concern, has provided them the Boda Boda bikes. So, shout out to you guys. You guys are doing amazing and monumental things. Alright, next is Philippines, and uh, I had to check my last episodes that I've broadcasted about the Philippines and um, just hoping that none of the stories actually overlap. Let me silence my phone. And uh, so I don't think anything's gonna overlap. If it does, please contact me on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, all of that. Um, but this was on January 5th of this year in the Philippines, um, reported by International Christian Concern, as always, love those guys. Um, last December, the Islamic State linked Bangsamoro, Bangsamoro, Islamic Freedom Fighters, a terrorist group based on in the southern Philippines, attacked a parish church after conducting a raid on the town's military and police outposts. Around 50 gunmen from BIFF who have sworn allegiance to IS. What is IS? Um, laid siege to the police station of Datu Payang. I hope I said that right. And burned a police patrol vehicle on December 3rd in response to the earlier arrest of two men with relatives in the BIFF. Um, according to Inquirer.net, the attack sent civilians, majority of them Muslims, cowering in fear in their homes while others running to safety as the terrorists, many of whom are were teenagers, opened fire at houses. Hang on. The terrorists, many of them teenagers, opened fire at the houses. Oh my god. Um, you know, it, it, it doesn't surprise me that this is happening in foreign countries. It just, it still sort of grips my heart when I hear that younger people are being influenced by negative things. Like, here in America, we're being, um, 
you know, this new generation, Generation Z, has been very influenced by the things of the past generation, what they've been angry about, like racism and white privilege and the Black Lives Matter movement. And we, I see it, um, me and my husband see it, that this new generation feels like they have to pick a side and fight for a certain cause without even actually knowing what it means or what it is or what it does. And they are angry for absolutely no reason. Um, And this new generation, Generation Z, is easily influenced by the media. It is easily influenced by the people, the angry people around them. And they cannot make up their own mind or do their own research. They are just quickly, like, in the feelings. Like, I feel this. I feel that. You shouldn't be doing this. I feel offended. Blah, blah, blah. But when I hear that teenagers who are probably in this generation are picking up guns and shooting people shooting Muslims shooting Christians shooting civilians no less this is just another version of I don't even want to say it because I don't know everything about what these teenagers have gone through in order to be so angry and such, um, so violent. But when it comes to comparing this new generation in America and this generation of teenagers that are shooting on these, um, houses, or at these houses, it makes me feel like It is still that easily influenced young person, but it's just in a different way. Um, I don't know whether these kids have been brainwashed. I don't know whether um, it's just been influenced in them, ingrained in their brain, or maybe they are influenced by the people around them. But I feel like if you're a teenager, You should be more concerned about being a child, being a kid, having fun. You shouldn't be shooting at people, and you shouldn't be going out and protesting something that you don't even know what is going on. I I just don't know. When I see somebody's childhood being robbed, that angers me. Because, personally, when I was a teenager, I wasn't allowed to do certain things. I I wouldn't say that I wasn't... I'm not going to say I was completely robbed of being a teenager, but being a regular teenager was not okay to be. Um, And I never did anything, you know, fun or... I don't know. I, I never really did anything adventurous. And seeing now this new generation that thinks that it's okay to be this way... It hurts my heart because they should be more concerned about being children and and having a carefree life but now this this life that we live in this world that we live in demands these children to pick a side demands these children to do certain things like shoot up houses and it sucks and it hurts that I have to read that because 
I, I don't feel like children should be fighting other adults' battles. That's not... You're robbing them of their childhood, and that's awful. But I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm sorry for the rant. I'm going to keep going. Um, according to police and military authorities, the BIFF has also plotted to set ablaze uh, STA. Uh, oh, wait. Sta Teresa Parish Church um, and the church-run Notre Dame of Dulawawin High School in the area. Sometimes when I have to pronounce something, I just have to just do it <laughs> um, instead of sounding it out. But while their attempt to burn the two churches' facilities had, was foiled by policemen and soldiers after a 15-minute firefight, the church still bore several bullet holes in its glass windows and the statue of the patron saint. Or, and in the statue of the patron saint. BIFF is an Islamic separatist organization which seeks independent Islamic state for the Filipino Muslim major minority um, known as the Moro people who live primarily in the Philippines Min, Min, Mindanao region. Uh, Mindanao? Mindanao. Mindanao. Okay. I'm so sorry. Um, in videos uploaded to YouTube in 2014, BIFF members pledged allegiance to ISIS leader Aku Bakar al-Baghdadi. So, that is the, um, that's terrible. Persecution Press will be right back after this message. Hang in there. Okay, this is for uh, the British United Kingdom listeners. Um, I wouldn't say that it's completely about the United Kingdom, but it is, um, the United Kingdom has a part in it, so we're gonna read it, we're gonna find out what this is. British think tank report calls out Indian Hindu nationalism. So this was on, Val not Valentine's Day, sorry, uh, January 14th in India. Um, since the UK separated from the European Union, the work has been underway to redefine this and settle Britain's foreign relations in the post-Brexit world. Um, I want to say Clapham House for some reason, or Chatham House. A prominent British think tank has particularly raised major concerns about the UK-India bilateral relationship that will be burdened by the rising tide of financial or no fanatical Hindu nationalism. Such nationalism has been on the rise since the election of Indian Prime Minister 
Narendra or Narendra Modi in 2014, along with a rise in the level of persecution against Christians and other religious minorities. Members of Modi's um, Bharatiya, Bharatiya Janata Party, the BJP, have made it abundantly clear that India should be a Hindu country and all other regions in India are intruders. So, as far as I remember, India has set up some anti-conversion laws, meaning anybody who um, wants to change the religion from Hindu to Christianity or from Hindu to Muslim or any other religion besides Hinduism is um, it is criminalized, so you're not allowed to. It's a rule. Um, the BJP rhetoric, or rhetoric, sorry, um, is often laced with extreme language that incites communal, communal divisions and hate between religious groups. Uh, Rashtiriya, oh my goodness. We're just going to say the RSS, a right-wing Hindu national organization, with cl close ties to the BJP has been known to idolize Hitler and the Nazi movement. Oh my god. Oh my god. Okay. Um, Indian Muslims and Christians have been targeted with increasingly bru increasing brutality by local communities coupled with legal discrimination from local governments uh, across India. The nation's infamous blasphemy laws and anti-forced conversion laws exactly i just said that the anti-forced conversion laws have been primary resources used by the government to oppress minority re religions um moreover the laws embolden the fanatic elements within the hindu nationalist movement to commit social boycotts beatings, rape, and even murder of religious minorities. Um, for those who don't know, there are groups called that are just radical Hindus. They will actually go and run people into tiger-infested jungles who are, um, like, they will burn down churches, they will kill, steal, rape, um, and imprison uh, Christians, Muslims, anybody who is a minority religion in India, and it is completely um, violent over there. It's been violent for years, and um, I had a I have a very soft spot for India in my heart um, because they they've been going through this a lot, um, especially um, the brothers and sisters uh, who are Christians and anybody who is being persecuted right now. Oh my God. Um, my heart goes out to you. I love you very much. Um, but while the UK, um, the United States, and others should continue to pursue a strong relationship with India, they should not do so at the cost of turning a blind eye to what is clearly destabilizing Indian society. They should be called out and addressed through bilateral and multilateral um, formats to hold Indian leadership accountable for the ongoing violence. 
I agree. Um, they should be held accountable. I don't know if that's ever going to happen since Biden is in office, but um, with the United States anyway, um, as far as UK, I really hope they do um, continue to... I wish they would just come back and like protect India, because I feel like, I don't know, even... I feel like even when the UK had been um, in the affairs of the Indian government, I don't feel like they did much because this has been happening ever since I was in a sophomore in high school, which was like in 2010. So, I mean, this has been happening for so long. Alright, the next one I'm kind of surprised at, um, but I haven't actually read the article yet, so I don't know whether it's negative or positive, but it's from Australia. Australia has been one of my longtime listeners, um, with 3% of you actually listening. Um, I'm grateful for it, even though it's a small percentage. I really just love anybody anywhere that is listening. Um, I just want to love on you, seriously. I appreciate you, but, um, let us go to, um, this article from, uh, February 8th, so this is the most recent one, um, of this year, and, um, it says, Australian bill draws criticism from religious freedom advocates, so, okay, Australian lawmakers in the state of Victoria recently took on a debate surrounding the ban of subversive conversion methods that are already banned in many areas of the world. Um, however, a current bill in the state government wouldn't just ban this practice, it would significantly undermine a person's ability to seek advice or counsel from faith leaders regarding matters of one's sexuality. Um, and sexual identity and etc. Okay, so it's also happening in Australia. Australia is a really big advocate for gay marriage. Um, I think it's been legalized. Um, there's a big gay community, big homosexual community in um, Australia. And I have talked about this before, and I'm, I'm not surprised um, that Australia has also picked up this torch. Uh, and I, I want to say it's either started in Australia or started in California, but I have talked about this before, about um, California also trying to uh, minimize the voice of people who offer counsel for those people who um, are struggling with their sexual identity and sexual orientation. Um, what I basically said, and I, I will try to keep this as um, short and sweet and to the point, um, for one, I don't have anything against people in the gay community. I think um, I just want to love on people who are different from me, even though I may, you know, peacefully disagree with certain people's lifestyles. Um, what I will say is that just like the Christian community, any community can have someone that is toxic, and that includes the gay community. And I'm I'm saying this as very carefully as I can so people can understand that there are some people, okay, and 
I know this as a possibility, I don't know this as a fact, but I do know as a possibility that there are people who struggle with their sexual orientation and identity and they probably don't want to come out. They probably don't want to be gay or, you know, they don't want to struggle with that. So they should have the right to be counseled by a pastor or something like that. Um, because everybody's beliefs are different, um, most people in the gay community will say you should be proud of who you are, you should be proud of your sexual orientation and um, identity, but then there are some people who don't want to be proud of that, um, that want to be normal. And I, I don't want to say normal as like being gay is abnormal because it's it's been normalized so many times now. Um, but they just want to be... To them, they would want to be normal. Um, it's a very touchy subject, so I'm trying to tread lightly. Uh, I mean, I'm not trying to offend anybody, but I know offense is inevitable sometimes because we live in a day and age where if you blink, uh, someone gets offended. But what I'm trying to say is just as much as people refuse to be Christian sometimes, who turn away from their faith, there's some people that would want to turn away from this struggle of being gay or being um, transgender. And um, for those people who truly don't want to go through that, who to them struggling with their their sexual identity and sexual orientation them struggling with that they see that as wrong they should be able to take care of themselves and understand and seek camp counsel to whomever they want um because i feel like i'm not gonna say that the gay community hasn't been doing some good things, of course they've been doing some good things, but the one thing that I will say is that not every person that is struggling with their desires, their sexual desires, struggling with their identity, is going to want to turn to the gay community. And that's what I'm saying. If they do not want to turn to the LGBTQ they should have the right to turn and have some counsel by a pastor or by any type of therapist. It doesn't necessarily have to be with a pastor, but since it's talking about the counsel of a pastor or a religious leader, then um, if they, that individual wants that counsel, the LGBTQ should not have their voice in it. That's what I'm trying to say. For that individual in this case, um, who doesn't want to turn to the LGBTQ, they have that right as an individual. And if they want to turn to a pastor to be counseled, they should have that right. The LGBTQ should not have a say in an individual's decisions when it comes to stuff like that. Um, 
just like nobody should have a say on when somebody should come out as gay or lesbian or bisexual or what have you. Um, I feel like if someone who is struggling with that decides that it is fit for them to be counseled by a pastor, that should be up to them and not to the community. And I feel like that's suppressing somebody's rights as an individual that uh, they, they can't necessarily go to a counselor or to a pastor to uh, get these feelings sorted out. Um, so yes, that's what I believe. Anyway, we're gonna go back to this article. The bill criminalizes the, any counsel that would encourage individuals to adhere to Christian interpretation of these deeply personal and important matters. The bill would essentially codify a single interpretation of these matters and would directly diminish an individual's religious freedom to seek unbiased and theologically diverse advice uh, in living out their faith. So, let me read that again. The bill would essentially codify a single interpretation of these matters and would directly diminish an individual's religious freedom to seek unbiased and theologically diverse advice in living out their faith. So, Anybody who seeks counsel from a Christian or seeks counsel from a pastor that would influence Christian views it would be criminalized, basically. That's, that's what they're saying. Um, freedom of religion is starting to be taken away, slowly but surely. And I don't like it. Um, I, like I said, um, there's toxic people in the gay community. There's also toxic people in the Christian community. I will be the first one to say that. There's toxic people in the church. I don't even go to church anymore. There's toxic people everywhere. And I'm saying that the people who have decided to make this bill are toxic. I understand that their hearts might be in the right place, but you have to see every community as diverse. Not everybody, not every individual in a community is going to think the same way. And that's okay. So for somebody who is struggling with this identity, like sexual orientation or sexual identity, they should have the right to go to anybody, including a pastor, if they want to. And that's what I'm trying to say. In a response, Catholic and Islamic leaders sent a letter to Victoria government um, citing infringement on the individual's freedom of religion and conscience. Exactly. That's exactly what... Yes. Um, it places arbitrary limitations on parents, families, and people of faith, says the statement. People change for all kinds of reasons and should feel free to do so, whether it be uh, on matters of personal identity, gender, sexuality, family association, or religion. Contrary to its intent, this bill obstructs people's freedom by limiting, restricting, and removing options for their good, thereby creating undesirable possibilities of harm. Yes, and it says possibilities of harm. There are people out there, okay, 
that struggle with a lot of things, not just sexual identity or sexual orientation, if they don't get the counsel that they feel is fit for them, they may very well hurt themselves. Um, it is harm to their identity, it is harm to their mental, emotional health, and I really hope that any of the people in Australia that are struggling with this, I hope that they do not go to drastic measures and hurt themselves or kill themselves because of this bill. Yes, I said it because I'm passionate about it. This is not okay, in my opinion. People who struggle with anything should find their own options that they see fit. If they want to go to an Islamic preacher, preacher, I'm sorry, an Islamic priest, um, or a Christian preacher, or a pastor, or a counselor, or a therapist, they should have that right. You are taking away the right of the individual, and that's not okay. Um, it's okay if you want to help somebody, just like, you know, the gay community can, you know, counsel somebody. That's great, but don't take away their right to choose. That's what I'm trying to say. Don't take away the individual's right to choose whether or not they want to go to the gay community for counseling or a pastor. That is their choice, not yours. Many others have joined these leaders in their dissent, uh, arguing that decisions such as these are deeply personal and should be addressed with care, uh, and the individual's freedom should not be limited to seek out counsel when they so desire. Exactly my point. Okay, this one is uh, from Russia, so let's get into this one. Armenian soldiers killed after ceasefire breach. Wouldn't that be in Armenia then? I don't even... I don't know the, um, the regions in uh, Russia, so I, I might be wrong. But um, a recent report detailed the execution of 19-year-old Eric Gasparian, um, an Armenian soldier who fought... Hang on. My phone's going nuts. Fought in a Nagorno-Kabarak um, war uh, this past year. Gasparian um, was one of the soldiers who was killed uh, after Azerbaijan broke the ceasefire agreement in December 11th by attacking Hadrot. Um, if I am mispronouncing any of these names, once again, I apologize. Um, the war ended on November 9th after a ceasefire agreement was reached trilaterally between Armenia, Azerbaijan, and Russia. Uh, the December 11th attack came one day after a joint Azerbaijan-Turkey military parade through Turkey is supposedly jointly acting as a peacekeeper with Russia. As, uh, Gaspar Gasparans a uh, gruesome execution-style murder was filmed and videos released from Azeri troops 
uh, provide the timeline for his death. Oh my god. Um, he was originally captured on December 13th as several videos show him uh, being transported with other soldiers. Believed propaganda footage was believed or released uh, on 27th of December attempting to justify the Hadrut attack and the later killing of American soldiers. Armenian, sorry. Um, footage of Gasparasian's body being mutilated and degraded also surfaced. What the heck? Oh my god. Gasparasian. Uh, Gasparayan. Gasparayan? Gasparayan. I'm trying my best to respect the, the man that died. I'm trying to make sure that I pronounce his name right. Um, is just one of the many Armenians who lost their lives in the Nang Nagorno Kabarak War. Um, one of one that appears to continue taking lives even after the ceasefire has reached was reached. ICC's joint report on Turkey addresses Turkey's role in the Nagorno-Kabarak war, saying Turkey has an obligation under national and inter international law to uphold freedom of religion or belief. This obligation for religious freedom extends to territories under Turkish military control. However, Turkey continues to contributing to horrific war crimes such as these. Oh, wow. And speaking of Turkey, they are in the news as well. So let's do this one. Uh, Turkey, or Turkish influence increases in Lebanon. And this was the 17th of February of this year. International Christian Concern Online Turkish language classes will soon commence for Lebanon's military. According to a recent announcement from the country's Director General for International or Internal Forces, Major General Imad Osman, uh, the announcement sparked concern in Lebanon's Armenian population at Turkey's apparent increased interest in the country. Um, in June 2020, Lebanese Armenian TV show host Nishander Haro Harotsunin uh, received an offensive message while on the air. He responded by condemning President uh, Erdogan Turkey and Ottoman Empire's history, sparking significant protests by Erdogan supporters. The subsequent chain of events showcased Turkey's movement towards Lebanon as part of Erdogan's desire to re-establish the Ottoman Empire and his realm of influence. This latest step of teaching Turkish to Lebanese soldiers concerned many for similar reasons. Turkish is not a language spoken among politicians, nor 
is it a critical language for those working and operating in Lebanon? The classes will be done in conjunction with the Turkish embassy in Lebanon through the lessons and will not be obligatory obligatory so it's um optional i want to say but um turkey's rhetoric against uh armenians christians and other minorities has worsened and any steps that increase turkey's authority in the region could cause harm to those who threaten the pan-turkish ideology Alright, this one is from Tanzania. This is a new country that I haven't seen on the persecution.com map. So we're gonna read this. Islamic extremism in Mozambique continues. Um, this was from the 17th of February of this year. Um, let's see. What is today, actually? Today? It happened today, so it's um, it's been reported today. So, um, since 2017... There have been over 1,300 civilian deaths caused by Islamic extremism in, the, in northern Mozambique, um, and armed, the Armed Conflict Location and Event Data Project, or I'm going to call it ACLED, um, reports that in the past three years there have been 776 organized violent events, 2,578 fatalities from organized violence and 1,305 fatalities from civilian targeting in the Cabo Delgado um, Providence alone. Wow. Um, while these numbers are discouraging, recent data collected from ACLED has shown a decline again or in attacks since the beginning of 2021 according to the report militant strikes went down from a total of 30 in december of 2020 to a total of 10 attacks in january 2021 many assume that the decrease in militant strikes is due to the successful military operative however acled data shows that the weather may have more to do with the recent lack of insurgency in the area Okay. I mean, God works in mysterious ways. He sees you. Um, the International Violence Data Collective notes that its analysis that rain and the lack of agricultural production presents problems annually around this time of year, writes Samuel Smith of the Christian Post. The results is a restrain in insurgent action no matter what the government gains uh, there are. Um, that isn't to say that Mozambique hasn't made positive progress in their defense plan since 2017. While the government has been plenty uh, ridiculed for the inability to protect civilians, the ACLED report um, points out that some key improvements that MSF is now able to uh, return to Macomia 
suggests a major improvement in the prospects for security there. Uh, it also represents a major quality of life improvement for civilians in that district. 2021 was the first year that Open Doors listed Mozambique as one of the worst countries to be Christian, to be a Christian. Wow. Oh, wow. Um, especially in the country's northern region, believers are killed in staggering numbers at the hands of extremists while thousands of others are kidnapped for or forced to flee. We ask that you join in praying for the Lord to bring peace to Mozambique, to um, to strengthen the government's protection over the people, and to heal the trauma that thousands have had to endure. That that's incredibly awful. Um, one thing that I have not done here. Um, on persecution presses that I have not actually prayed for any of the countries that I've been talking about. So right now, that's what I'm going to do. So I'm going to close out in prayer. So Father God, I just ask you, Jesus, right now for every country that I have talked about today on persecution press, that for one, the news goes to the right ears, Jesus, and that the governments in each country that I have spoken about, Jesus, is able to protect the Christians and your people, Jesus, and that everything that we have talked about with peace, them needing peace, Jesus, I ask you, God, for your people to have peace. I pray that they will be able to endure the hard times because, God, there are there is nowhere in the Bible that you have said that we are exempt from hardship. So, God, I ask you to give us endurance, to give them endurance, Jesus. And help them praise you in the midst of this persecution, Jesus. And I ask you, God, to just raise up your people in this time, Jesus. In your name, amen. Thank you all for listening. That is all for Persecution Press. My love and my support goes out to the ICC and the persecution.com website. I pray and hope that you guys will keep updating us on what's going on with our Christian brothers and sisters out there all over the world. Thank you very much for informing us and letting us know what's going on and uh, many blessings and I just pray favor over um, everyone that I talked about today. So see you guys later.